G'day once again and welcome to another edition of Stacks Podcast. I have kicked in the hymen wall of my Virginia state of having no comedians on the podcast. I've got my first in here. I'm going to welcome none other than a good friend of mine, Mr. Jeff Hewitt. Joe, thanks for having me. It's an honour to be your first comedian guest. Yeah, mate. That's, I don't know what it is with comedians. They're, uh, it's like I don't know. It's like wolves versus vampires. It's we just don't seem to mix that much. So, what you normally have? Uh, <coughs> I think you're saying musos, musicians on your on your podcast. Yeah. So with this podcast, we like to. Well, we're in a we're in a uh, rehearsal recording studio, so. Mm. Um, musicians are at hand, so to speak. So yeah. all, all, they all know that I do the podcast, and they all just sort of say, "Oh, when can we jump on?" So it really, it works like that. So um, I guess I've I haven't got my finger on the pulse in the Perth comedy scene as much as I had 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 in the past. So um, mm. yeah, I've kind of lost touch a little bit. So the musos have been more predominant, so to speak. Yeah, which is weird, man. Because obviously, the the way I know you is through the Perth comedy scene, and I think the last time I saw you was at a. A weird ass uh, birthday gig last year. Fucking weird ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was like a 70th birthday party. I mean, the guy who booked it was lovely, but it was for his wife who was very sick. And it, uh, it was all right, but to be honest, I think the booker enjoyed it more than <laughs> the, the audience. Yeah. It was he, one of those. He was uh, hungry for a laugh, and I, I struggle to remember his name, but what it was for is he had a, he had a wife that wasn't well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess he wanted to put a bit of light on a on a dark moment. Yeah. I suppose. So, yeah. Which was God bless him. I mean, he, he had a crack, didn't he? Yeah, but you you mentioned Jai. I mean, you've been out of the loop as far as Perth comedy is concerned. Like, like why why is that? Because you still gig and play the the guitar. And yeah, just I guess music's music was always my thing. But I, I love comedy, and and I tried just straight stand up and. I'm weird. I, I'm, I've got all the balls in the world when I've got a guitar in my hand. As soon as I get up stage without a guitar in my hand, I'm, I feel weird. I just feel like I'm something's missing. Mm. And my natural stage persona or flow just doesn't come out. Like it just, yeah, yeah it just doesn't really sort of ebb and flow. It, I kind of, I, I guess I'm too conscious. I'm a smoker without a cigarette in his hand at a party. You know? yeah. So, yeah, I just don't tend to... To have it flow, and I guess I've, I've, I'm confident with that. I can say shit in between; it can go pear shape, mm. and then I can back it up with a song, which I know is going to get laughs. So, I guess that's why I admire blokes like yourself. I mean, well, it must be scary to get up there with nothing but your your banner to fall back on. You know, you can't. Oh, no, sure, hiding man. behind a song, or and I find that with some character guys as well. No, no, totally. I think that's why stand up's probably the hardest performing art there is because. There is nowhere to hide. You're totally exposed because obviously a muser you can hide behind your instrument. If you're in a play, there's fucking five other actors. Sorry, are we allowed to swear on this? Not, not much. I think, <laughs> I think, I think we cap it at about seventeen hundred per episode. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's all right. Yeah, like no, just we want to keep it sort of clean. You know, so yeah. about after seventeen hundred swear words in an hour long. <laughs> If we, yeah. if we, if I'm gonna fuck it, right? Just to, <laughs> yeah, just to live on the edge, you know, and get closer to that quota. But yeah, you can understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. But yeah, with, with stand up, man, it's just, it's just you. There, there's no, there's no props, no gimmicks. I mean, unless you're a prop comic, but, but really, and the funny is, obviously, it comes from your own personality. So if they don't think you're funny, they don't like you. It's a rejection of you. And um, the timing is actually good, actually, for this podcast. Man, because I'm I'm in this weird transitional period now, which always happens. Like, because I had a, a quite a good run. I did 14 performances of my show Rad Dad Redemption. Yeah, and that, you nominated for some awards and that as well. So. Yeah, man, nominated for best comedy award at uh, Fringe World. So I did it at Fringe World, and I took it to the Perth Comedy Festival. Uh, and so I did three shows for the Perth Comedy Festival. That wrapped up about two weeks ago, and it was fucking great. Like, I love the show. It's the best show I've ever done. But now I'm at that stage now where, okay, that show's done. Now I've got to start generating new material, working on my act. And it, it's fucking hard but, uh, and necessary, but it's also exciting. Was, was um, Rad Dad, was it a, a build-up of a long period of time? And I guess, because, I mean, I know you've been doing comedy for, what, 15, 16 years? Uh, not, even, not, not that long, man. <laughs> um, no, coming, it'll be 12 years in December. Because uh, you are 17. 
Yeah, it's a bit silly. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm turning 39 uh, next month. <coughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, I did, okay, I did seven gigs in 99 and 2000, and I stopped for four years. Okay. okay so I don't count those seven gigs. <laughs> yeah, so that was... So I started doing it properly and consistently, like, December 2004. So December 2016 will be 12 years. Uh, and that's the thing, man. Yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, like yourself, but it's still fucking terrifying. And especially if, yeah, like I said, after Rad Dad, like I did 14 performances of that, you know, polished it, perfected it, but now it's like, okay, now I'm just going to do the regular pubs and clubs. I've got to write some new shit. And, and that's exciting. Like, I love it, but it's, it's like you're starting all over again when you're doing a joke you've never done before. And when you reach a certain level and you, you, you've, you've got to a level in your comedy, uh, and it's the same with music, when you reach a certain level, people expect that level again mm. so you've got all these expectations to uphold you know like you yeah your next show needs to be right up there and, and people actually i'll take that back people expect it to be better don't they then yeah no for sure the next well that's the thing like i think some people say the more you do it it doesn't get easier it gets harder because there are those added pressures and expectations and i guess you keep setting your own standard and trying to to go on better and that, that's very important because if you don't try and constantly improve and change up, you're just going to stagnate. You're going to fall into that trap. I won't name any names, but, you know, there's comedians around Perth and they're known for just doing the same fucking 15 minutes or whatever for the last five years. And they kill with it, but it's fucking boring and they get no respect because they're not working and being honest about their act. True. You know? Yeah. Like I had a housemate a few years ago. Like, I don't live in share houses anymore. But this guy, he said he saw this one comedian. I won't name him. Maybe I will if I have another drink. <laughs> he saw him six years ago, right? Saw him do his thing. Saw that same comedian six years later, did exactly the same set. I was like, holy shit, I hope that is never me. I never want to be that fucking guy. I'd rather get up on stage with a new ten minutes and die than kill with the same ten minutes every night for six years. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean... I guess I, I backed myself into a corner with what I did because I, I did a tour. I packed up in a Land Rover and drove around Australia and mm. and done a buffet thing and, and booked my own gigs and just, you know, played or living in the car. It was great. It was actually the best thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. And I'd pull into a town and done the old Jimbo thing, you know, like I, I didn't walk around with a goat, but I'd, I'd walk around and just walk into a place. Oh, yeah, 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 good. My name's Joe and I'm a buffet or a comedian. And, mm. um, <clears throat> I'm doing a show here on Friday night and I just would stay at a caravan park in my car and and spend the week drumming it up and all that kind of stuff and hand a few CDs out to people so they'd have a listen and I'd get a crowd that way. So I guess I was expected to play and I know speaking to um, Kev Bloody Wilson and a few other artists that do yeah. that kind of brand of hom- comedy that I do, um, which as I said, I struggle to call myself a comedian. I'm a, I'm a musician but mm. I sing songs that are highly entertaining into a certain field but um, they expected to see it so it was kind of and I, and I tried to oh, they, they, you mean they wanted to hear the songs that were on the CD they or, wanted to you know like yeah. I'd be halfway through singing something and they'd yell oh do you know do Loser or do yeah. Whacking Off to Porn or something like that and it was like you know or I get guys that have heard stuff like that and they'd come in the ones that were new were great because they didn't know what to expect but mm. and I guess with stand up you probably wouldn't get that as much would you you, you wouldn't get so you know, do the joke you did back in 94, that's fucking awesome, I want to hear that one nah. again, you know, like... No, nah, no, nah, not at all, man. Um, and I think it was Jim Jeffries who I heard, I listened to him on a podcast and he had some very good advice. It was something like, it was on the Comedian's Comedian podcast, which is quite good, it, that, that comes out of the UK. And Jim Jeffries said uh, his advice for comedians trying to generate new material and stuff, he said, go with quantity over quality. Okay, so it comes back to that thing. Instead of having the quality 10 minutes that you repeat ad nauseum, right? He said, go for quantity. And the way he explained it was brilliant. He said, if, uh, if some people who've never seen you before go and see you do a set and, and you kill, then they'll go see you again. But if they see you again and it's exactly the same 10 minutes, they won't see you again. Ever again, yeah. But if good they point. see you that second time and it's a new 10 minutes, it might not be amazing, but it's, it's good enough. They'll good go, point. oh, this guy's cool. I'll see him a third time. And so when he explained it like that, I was like, yeah, that, that fucking makes sense. And I guess I'm always gravitating towards comedians that their personality shines through their comedy. Yeah. So definitely, I don't want to mention names either because I, I, you know, I don't. I'm not. I'm not a hater at all. But mm. I've seen a lot of comedians which uh, come from sort of sometimes a, an acting background or uh, which 
I don't think they're particularly a really funny person, but they know how to write some material, and but they're just killing it with the delivery. Mm. They really know how to... And they use empathetic pauses and things like that to, to drag out emotions out of people as opposed to just being a dead set funny fucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and I'll listen to your podcast, and just for everyone at home, um, as I did mention at the start of this podcast when I introduced Jeff about uh, what he does, um, yeah, his podcast, Once We're Zombies, he does have a lot of comedians on, and you really hear some of the comedians, which are just, it just doesn't matter whether, they, they, they're funny in their sleep, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, totally, man. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of the guy that you had on a couple of weeks back, and he's a bit of a bogan, I went, oh, I really warmed to that guy. <laughs> uh, he had to fly somewhere, and it was a late, you just got there, and you actually sat there talking until he had to get on a plane and take off, but... That's actually quite a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember which one that was. Yeah. Gogan. Was it Corey White? No. Okay. No, it was a name I'd heard before. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah, but it was it was good because I just, I, he was just, you know, like, and I had seen him on, I had mm. seen him come through, like, the Perth scene and that over the years, and I'd only ever seen him on stage. And when I listened to him on your podcast, I went, that's exactly the same guy. There's no, yeah. There's no difference, you know. I think that's the ideal, man. I mean, part of, I think, trying to become a good comedian is finding your voice, and that fucking takes ages. You can't force it. Like, you know, I think a lot of, most of the great comedians say it, will take at least, it takes at least 10 years just to get good at comedy and, and finding your voice. And, and that's, I feel like that's been true for me. Like, like I said, I'm almost 12 years into this, and it's only in the past year or so I feel like I'm finding my voice, getting comfortable being who I am on stage. And I think the ultimate is, is to be that guy on stage that you are off stage that I, you are with I, I your thought, mates. I thought you were comfortable from the first time you come out saying you look like Bert Newt. <laughs> I mean, this guy's comfortable, man. He's just, he's, yeah. he's you know, I just, this, he's just, you're easy. You're doing it easy up there, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, honestly, man, it, it takes ages. Because, yeah, even, say, with that self-deprecating stuff, like, sure, maybe I was comfortable with that. But I think say going back a few years when you would have seen me that's when I was still working as a full-time lawyer and that really affected my headspace like I found it hard to go from full-time law like I'm part-time now right be hard to have a fucking restraining order trial in the morning be in the office all fucking day then go on stage and try and be entertaining and funny yeah yeah. so and I'd get really stressed from my my day job because it's a stressful thing what I do could imagine and then that would really affect my comedy like it would come out in like anger or, or stress and, and and that's fucking fatal man because like another bit of advice I think it was Dana Gordy said if you're having a good time the audience is having a good time but there are a lot of times when I wasn't having a good time because I was feeling shitty from the day you know what I mean yeah whereas now I think especially with having a kid man like my son's 14 months old now and he's, he's changed my life made me super happy and I think it's had a positive effect because I'm on stage now I'm fucking happy man and I'm a, like I said, I'm working part-time. And, yeah, I'm, I'm getting towards 40. And I think as you get older, you start to not give a shit. And yeah, I think exactly. that, that can help. If, you're not, yeah. if you don't give a shit, Fully. you're like, fuck you guys. This is my material. Take it or leave it. I don't give a fuck. And people respect that, man. The audience is like a woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a woman likes a guy with confidence. Like, not, not an arsehole. Yeah, exactly. You don't there's, have to be an there's arsehole. There's that fine line, isn't there, between yeah. cockhead yeah. and a guy who's... That cute cockiness, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's that cute cockiness and then... Like if, like if a guy's super needy, it's like, oh, yeah, please. Like it's off-putting for the woman, it's off-putting for the audience. But if you're like, you know what, I, I know who I am, you know, take take it or leave it, they're like, oh, this guy is a bit intriguing. We like this guy. I was only talking about that the other day, actually, because Kaneko um, is Japanese, obviously. Mm. <laughs> um, and she... It was telling me this thing in our early days. I said, what is it that you liked about me? She said, well, you're a lion. And I went, <laughs> all right, is it because I'm hairy? <laughs> you know, yeah. And I went straight for the physical, you know. And, yeah. and she went, no, 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 no. She goes, you're a lion and other guy, there's lion and sheep. Mm. In, and that's what they sort of say in Japan. And they, they go, the lions are trouble, but they sort of, it's attractive. Yeah. And I guess that was the Japanese way of sort of surmising, saying that, that cockiness you know that we yeah. talk about so yeah, it was interesting hearing it from a Japanese perspective and and nowadays there's not many lions in Japan it's the guys are very subdued and, and there's a whole other podcast of what's happening in Japan mm, with, sure. with a declining population all that kind of stuff but yeah yeah I suppose you do need to have that and if you've got it and sometimes I've come off stage 
thinking I've overdone it. Mm. I've actually come off thinking I've probably overdone it a little bit. Have you ever been like that? You've come off and gone, I've probably gone a bit over the top? Or Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you know, I've had, <laughs> I've had so many bad gigs. Like, I think thankfully at this stage I can safely say I've had more gigs than bad gigs, but I'll never ever forget the, the horrible deaths bombing on stage. I mean, no comedian ever really forgets. Like, we've all been through it. Yeah. It's part of the, the, the process, the learning process. But, yeah, I think there's times where I've maybe overdone it, times where I've underdone it, where I feel like I've underperformed. Um, yeah, there's just so much to it, you know what I mean? Like, on, on paper, it's very simple. It's just a guy or a girl talking into a mic- microphone. That's it. But around all that, there's a lot that's going on, you know, that you've got to write the material, you've got to try and deliver it without stumbling on your words because you can have the best written joke in the world but if you fuck up one word and say the the like that's another Seinfeld example if you say the the instead of the the laugh's gone because people people and again it comes back to the confidence and control if if you uh, like confidence goes a long way with audiences I think and if if you lack that confidence or if you lack that control just with you know talking and how you hold the mic, stage presence, the the audience kind of turns off. It's like, oh, this guy's a bit amateur and he doesn't really believe in himself, you know? What's been the most awkward gig that you've ever done? Oh, <laughs> Every comedian's had... Like, Jesus Christ. It's, I've, I've had so many. <laughs> I've been shut down. I've, I've um, got a few that I could, you know... Uh, I've had a Christian attack me because I dropped a Jesus joke, you know. Oh, yeah. That's weird. I've had a lot, man. Okay, let me try and give you one. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll tell you this one, all right. This was, I think I've been doing comedy at this point maybe two years, okay? And um, this is when um, the Comedy Lounge was still at the Heidi, Hyde Park Hotel. So I think it was a Young Guns night. So it was me and some of the other young comics. And uh, I remember... You remember Andrew Horobin? He was the MC yeah, that night, plays yeah. his acoustic guitar and stuff. Yep. So I get up there, right? And it's going okay. And then I have this brain snap where I see Andrew Horobin's guitar on stage. And I hadn't been planning on playing guitar. But I suddenly saw his guitar. So I said into the mic, oh, oh Andrew, is all right if I borrow your guitar? He's like, yeah, man, yeah, no worries. So I pick up his guitar and I play this song parody. And <laughs> it was a song parody of um, that song, I'm the Believer by the Monkees. And it's fun. I'm embarrassed to, to say it, okay, but my, my lyrics were, uh, uh, I think boys are really hard in primary school. Some say that's too young, but not for me. Yeah, they are so sexy. Do, 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 do. That's the way it seems. Do, 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 do. Every time I see him, I cream my jeans. And then I fucked his ass. That he is a bleeder. And then I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of those things where maybe no, no, it wouldn't have divided a room at all, would it? <laughs> Not at all. No, they were hundred percent behind me. And, uh, I'm one of those that don't give a fuck. I'll laugh at that. Like if yeah. you were singing that on stage, I'm losing my shit. And now the people look at me like, "What?" Oh, dude, what? it was like. Um, okay, so what happened was, and the reason it's so funny now. There's a lot of reasons, but okay, so yeah, there was like maybe twenty to twenty-five percent of the people who loved it. They lost their shit. Then forty percent, maybe fifty, so almost half the room that hated me. They were horrified. It's a horrifying song parody, right? Was John running it then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, he's that, such a stretch. Oh he, man, well this is what like, happened. He didn't like anything. Well, you know, Horribin, he's a bit politically correct and left wing and sanctimonious self-righteous so afterwards he comes up to me you've stained his guitar man he can't touch it exactly I soiled his fucking guitar (laughs) and he's like don't you ever play that song in this room again like fucking yelled at me and then McAllister gave me a one hour talking to after the game (laughs) he's like Jeff if you want to do that stuff that's alright but don't do it in my room alright you're just going to alienate half the audience. <laughs> I'd much prefer you to do that kind of stuff out, out, out the front of a public school or something like that, you know. You might find your audience there, Jeff, you know. <laughs> and it's funny because, like I said, I never planned on playing that song. It was just in the heat of the moment. I saw the guitar. It's like, oh, yeah. And, um, like, I think it's funny now, but I felt so guilty about that. Oh, no. Like, and I felt really depressed. I was like, oh, Did that fuck. kill it for you for parodies? Was that, was that it for... Uh, for parodies, yeah. <laughs> like, I think... I mean, I don't really play guitar in my act anymore, but I used to oh. play original songs and shit. I wish I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things, Josh McKinder still laughs about it even now. But yeah, the next day, man, I was calling my friends, like, Cal Bogdanovs, Diana Starr. I'm like, oh, I'm so depressed. <laughs> and Diane was like, no, no, I loved it. Like, Diana Starr fucking loved it. 
Uh, but yeah, like you said, it was one of those things people but hated. That's, that's I mean, everyone says it. Like, mm. con- there's no such thing as conservative comedy. It doesn't exist for me. It's mm. and, and just the blackest shit is the funniest. <laughs> you know, like it's the yeah. Uh, well, just so your listeners know, man, it, that's not my act now. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm I'm older and wiser, all right. Like, and I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't do anything like that. Your it's... subjects are of age now, aren't they? <laughs> How old was the song? Yeah. How long ago was that? Oh, this is going back to uh, 2006 or thereabouts. I think, oh. funnily enough, I think I played that before before I ended up winning Raw Comedy. In top so those boys are roughly about 70 now. So they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. all of age, exactly. They know where, they're, they know where they're going. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've got so many stories like that, man. Like, oh. That's sensational. <laughs> And, you know, you know, I mean, we laugh now, but you still cringe. Like, it still hurts. And, and I guess we've got to put it in a perspective because I know exactly who Jeff's talking about. Um, and, and he did explain that they are pretty straightforward. And, and John McAllister, he runs the club. And it is probably, hats off to him, probably the, the most popular uh, comedy club for a reason. He's, he puts a lot of work in and he probably does keep it. People go there expecting not to have their faces melted. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he kind of plays it a bit safe. Uh, Unfortunately, Johnny McAllister doesn't book me. Uh, you made me feel good about never getting a gig there. I'm oh. suddenly feeling like, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> now I know what I'm doing. Oh, I mean, yeah, exactly, man. Like, look, he used to book me, but uh, I remember, you, I don't know if you know, um, actually, I won't say a name, I don't want to throw under the bus, but she, she used to work with Johnny Ryan. She told me that Johnny's wife straight up hates me. Apparently, she hates most people. <laughs> uh, Including uh, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. So, you know, what can you do if... You know, if the comedy booker's wife hates you, chances are you're not going to get on. So, you know, and, and it's it's crazy. I've never done or said anything against this woman, but I think she's one of those sour-faced lemon, you know, lemon people. That she, must be it, because I, I once had a, a a devout lesbian say to me that I depowered her with a few of my songs and what I sang about. Oh, really? And I went, really? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? She said, you've just beat yourself up over the whole thing. It's, I've got nothing to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> like loser. And I, I walked away for five minutes. Just going. Was I in trouble? Did I, you know, mm. like, I just, I love those reactions. And that gig that we we did, that was, mm. you know, like we had some mixed reactions. The last time we saw each other, we did a show for that guy and it was mm. full of, uh, I'd say, mid, mid-pension mid age bracket people and they weren't really in their songs about whacking off to porn and fucking <laughs> yeah. sticking your dicks in blenders and shit like... <laughs> Well, yeah, it was, it was a weird mix of people because, yeah, you had the oldies. But then, you know, you had some young couples and little kids and stuff. And I'm, I'm sure you dropped cunt about three times in that night. I'm oh, pretty... no, it wouldn't have been three times. I'm, I'm pretty sure I avoided the C-bomb. I mean, maybe I dropped one. I can't remember, man. But I remember I had a joke about Magic Mike. Yeah, like taking my, my little boy to see Magic Mike and being surrounded by a sea of masturbating women. <laughs> Would have been to see if there's a fucking evil. <laughs> I remember some of the young mums enjoyed that joke, but the older people were like, oh, what's this kid going on about? My son, it is not phlegm. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the sea so viscous, Dad? <laughs> oh, brilliant. Mate, um, you're a bit of a music fan, is that right? Oh, I love my music, I yeah. thought you did, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. I, you do say it on your podcast a little bit. You had... Um, and I did listen to the one where you, you went through your, was it your top 15 songs of the year or? Uh, top, yeah, top 20 albums top, of 2015. Yeah, and yeah. a really, I didn't expect that out of some good heavy stuff too. Mm. Yeah. A lot of metal in that list, man, yeah. Do you play? You? I used to, yeah. Like, um, like I'm left-handed, so I, yeah, I used to play guitar a lot. Yep. Uh, it's one of those things though, man. I've uh, Did you ever see that Wonder Years episode where it might have been the main guy? Uh, Fred Savage. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's like an adult looking back on his life. You know? I've never seen the adult, but it's just he narrates it, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah he narrates it. Yeah, like I think the, the structure I can see was an old guy looking back on his childhood, his wonder years. There's one that always stuck with me where he's like, he's like, I'm an old dude now. I don't play piano, but then he recalls when he was Fred Savage playing the piano and how he misses. Like that's like me with guitar, man. Like I was a much. I used to practice like a motherfucker. I was in bands. I could do guitar solos and shit. Like, I was a much better guitar player in year eight than I am now. Yeah. And now that I've had my son, Harry, and Harry loves music, like, that's the incentive for me to pick up my guitar again and Beautiful. start getting good. So, Just so, for all, all the music guys that listen to us, what, what guitars at your place, Jeff? What do you got laying around the house? Uh, so I've got a... Oh, I've got a beautiful acoustic guitar. It needs new strings. It's a left-handed Ibanez. Yep. And because, you know, left-handed guitars are harder to sell, the guy gave me quite a good price. 
Uh, and then my electric guitars, I think it's a red uh, Yamaha, which I bought in, or my dad bought for me in 91 or something. It's fucking old. Um, so, yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, I'm a lapsed muso, but, yeah, because Harry's now my son's in, in the world, I want to start learning again. And is there a particular genre that you're fond of? Uh, look, I love all music, but, yeah, as you would have gathered from my top 20 list, like metal's my jam. Metal's your thing? Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of a born-again metalhead as well. Like, I, I listened to it as a kid, and then, I honestly, I stopped listening to it for about 20 years. Like, I never went off it, but it just, I got more into, like, the classic rock and 60s and 70s, like Neil Young, Bob Dylan, yep. and then contemporary bands like Wilco and Flaming Lips. I was more into that shit. But then what happened was me and my mate went to see Cradle of Filth <laughs> in uh, Frio in 2013. Another baptism of life. Yeah. And that just... It's brutal. That just blew my mind. So I went home that night. I started downloading, um, buying music on iTunes, like Dimmu Borgir and... This opened up a whole world to me, and now, <clears throat> yeah, I go to metal gigs every chance I get. I had a, um, a guy on my podcast recently. His name is Victor Mendonta, and um, he is Brazilian, and mm. he, they do a lot of shows with Sepultura. Mm. Um, and their band's cool. called Lacerated and Carbonized. And oh, cool. for those that listen, you might cast your mind back to when that was on, but very quickly what it was is all the, all the favelas that they live in their snitches mm. and you know they say with a good metal band if you can read their name they're not heavy enough yeah. <laughs> the name of the metal band yeah. but they were lacerated and carbonised which I thought that's pretty brutal <laughs> and then he told me what it was about well the snitches over there and the gangs and all that kind of stuff if you snitch on a gang over there they'll they'll sit you on a chair cut you up like cuts all over your body pour fuel over you let you just simmer in the fuel for a while with all these oh, like, wow. cuts all over you then they'll put tyres over you and set it on fire yeah. and the heat for the rubber tyres that you're trapped in it carbonises the body mm. and of course the cuts the lacerations before they do that so you're in agony before they oh, set wow. your world on fire and, yeah. and I went good name fucking <laughs> 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 good name well that's one of the things I love about metal like some, some of the some of the names are so stupid like they're so extreme that they're dumb so like for example I don't know if you've heard of a band called Cattle Decapitation (laughs) so I always wrote them off because I thought that's such a stupid name and they had these insane album covers like they've got an album called Hugh Manure and um, so it combines human with manure. Manure, yeah. So it's a cow taking a shit and a human head's coming out of the cow's ass. Oh, God, that's like that fucking centipede movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I wrote off Cattle Decapitation, but then I listened to their latest album, which I think came out last year, called The Anthropocene Extinction. And they're fucking good, man. Like, they're good musos. Uh, like, it's... I, I guess their genre is like uh, death metal. Yep. But they're really progressive and arty with it. Did you like mathematics? Were you, did you, were you into mathematics growing up? Or did, were you good at it? Did you apply yourself well to it? Um, no, I, I hated maths. I was more, okay. more of an English and drama kind of guy. The reason I ask that is that they, there's a thing called like maths metal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's very intricate and there's a yeah. lot of mathematics involved. And with tablature, I'm not sure if you know about that. It's all numbers as to how to play guitar. And yeah. they're quite intricate, the number patterns and all this kind of stuff. So mathematicians, are the, but the music, they're kind of like the the only virtuosos left in music today, I mm. find. Like you go back to Strauss and Strato, like yeah. Stradivarius and, and Mozart and Vivaldi and all that. Their, their arpeggio and all their fast playing and all that kind of stuff was very like a lot of the metal today you know like it was oh for sure and it's it's amazing you know like and then we all love the guys in the general populace that play gd and a every song and it's like yeah exactly please kill me no i mean look i love metal for a whole bunch of reasons but yeah one of them is one of the reasons i find metal so much more interesting than punk and hardcore is because i think metal just have better musicians you know like punk it can be and look there's good punk out there obviously but you know, basic punk, it's three or four chords and you're on your way. And, you know, punk is all about that DIY ethos. Don't have to be that good to be in a band. Whereas metal, you've got to know your shit. And, uh, and the, yeah, there's all of overlaps within cla- between classical music and, and metal. Uh, just the, the complex nature of it, the, the sort of louder-than-God bombastic nature, like, you know, full-on fucking orchestra. Like, one of my favourite things that my friends and I used to do when, when we got high was... Uh, like I've, I own this DVD of s and M by Metallica yep. when they played with the San Francisco Philharmonic Orchestra, yep. and just that epic sound. Oh, it's unreal! It, yeah. It's fucking fantastic. So when you're off your tits on drugs, it's, it's <laughs> the best. But yeah, I listen to some of those mathematical bands, like uh, I think Gojira are kind of like that. Um, 
Meshuggah. Yep. Yeah, because the, the main guy, Meshuggah, is the drummer. So, uh, oh, their guitar tuning is insane as well. Yeah, and their fucking polyrhythms yeah. and time signatures are fucking nuts. Well, they've kind of got that. For me, Sepultura were the first band doing that kind of sound. Mm. And then when I heard Meshuggah, I went, oh, they're bringing back that, that really nice tom flavored heavy sort of yeah yeah and you're right the polyrhythms and that just like all the way through it and not the machine gun so much as the more the you know those really sort of heavy toms and they're yeah. fucking awesome man i, I saw my shugger live it's hard to headbang to because <laughs> of the time signatures seven four or whatever it is it's oh fuck i did a show recently and and we finished and the band that come on after us and we're quite a hard rock band uh, the band that come on uh, were a reggae band and then mm. the guy that was out moshing us stayed on the dance floor and everyone had left and there was one dude to a reggae band doing the ding 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 and he's he's moshing <laughs> hair going still up on the stage and I was like has anyone told this dude like, <laughs> that we're actually not playing anymore <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was the nice. weirdest thing I've seen is a, a dude headbanging to a heavy metal band but, yeah yeah. If, if you have you thought about what your band name would be if you if you had one Oh, that's a good question. Have you come up with like, oh, you know? Yeah, in fact, I, I don't do this joke so much anymore. Maybe I should bring it back. <laughs> I used to do this joke about how I've started up a stoner metal band. Yeah, a stoner metal band called Cone Smasher. And then I just say I'm looking for new members. Like, yeah, I can't remember how it goes, but it's like, yeah, I've got a... Oh, that's right. I go, yeah, I need a, a drummer, a guitarist, a lead vocalist. <laughs> like, I, I basically list, you know, every single instrument that you need. And I say, like, I'm on triangle or, or you know, something stupid <laughs> like that. But, yeah, Cone Smash is a good one. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I do think of names from, from time to time. <laughs> I do all the time. Every time <laughs> yeah. I see something, oh, that'd be a good, I suffer from it. That'd be a good band name. Yeah. I never write them down. Yeah. No, no, same. Because as soon as you ask that question, I was like, yeah, I do think about that. And then, yeah, Cone Smash is the only one that comes to mind. Um, I mean, there's a band coming to Rosemount soon called Weed Eater, which, uh, which is a cool name, but uh, I'm a bit on the fence about them. I checked them out on YouTube. I'm not, I'm not so sure. It's but, a bit like a horse, isn't it? It's like betting on a horse because you like the name of it. You know, yeah, out, exactly. Check out a band and that, and then you look at the name. So, But they do say there's a lot in a name. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever thought of a, a did you when you were entering into comedy? Mm. Did you ever think of ever being not Jeff Hewitt? Did you ever think of did you think that maybe I need to be something else or like I mean I use the Bullhead name which yeah. I, I kind of regret now. I kind of No, to be honest, no, it, it never uh, occurred to me to be anything other than than Jeff Hewitt and and I know like obviously your case was different and you probably know Manfred Yon. Yep. I mean, Manfred Yon, who's still doing comedy, and he's very funny, but he's the complete opposite to me. Like, for whatever reason, he can't... Like, because Manfred Yon's not his real name, right? His real name's Callum. But before Man... He's probably gone through maybe five or... At least five or six different stage names. Is he Magnus von Magnussen as well? No, that's Magnus Danger Magnus. That's a different dude. Yeah, Yeah, he's a cool guy. But yeah... And, and that's the thing like I think Manfred's been doing comedy for a lot longer than anyone realises because he used to perform like Enter in Raw or Green Faces these comedy open mic comedy competitions under different names because I realised years after I'd known him that he was Pike Green and the only reason I remember Pike Green is because Josh McKinder and I another Perth comic who's now living in New York used to see these stupid names like who the fuck is Pike Green turns out it's Manfred Yon so yeah Manfred Yon's been Pike Green Mycroft Peyote Manfred Yon's made up too, of course. Oh, the Polecats, that's another one of his names. So I've heard of half of these and never realised it's all the it's, same. It's all the same dude, yeah. And Polecats, um, obviously plural, but mm. one, one person? Yeah, plural with a Z. So he's fucking weird, man. I, I don't know what it is. And plus, Manfred's been doing it for a while and he's never had the balls or the, the wherewithal to put on a solo show. Yep. Which, uh, which, is, which is weird, you know? Yeah. Because there's no excuse, really, at this point. How's how's the Perth comedy scene? How, how's it travelling at the moment? Is it in a good place? Yes and no. Um, I, I don't know if you saw, man, the, going back maybe a couple of years, there were a lot of articles flying around about the Perth comedy boom, which is kind of true. You know, a lot of rooms opening up, more wannabe comedians and people hitting the open mics than ever before. And yeah, in a way, it was kind of a, a boom. Whereas now, it's it's been a bit of a correction. Yep. So the, the, a lot of... And look, I think that's just natural selection. Like, a lot of rooms open up. 
but only the good ones stay, the others just die in the arse. Because it is hard to run, run a room, of course, and, and have a regular audience and all that kind of shit. Uh, so, yeah, yes, Perth is good in the sense that uh, I, I think you get a lot of people who say that there's more opportunities for pay gigs in Perth than in most other cities, which you wouldn't think, you know. Like, I think Sydney's got a pretty good scene. But in Melbourne... Like, there's obviously more comics there and, and more rooms because it's a bigger city, but not many paid gigs. Like, no, and I guess it because there is such a an inundation of A list comedians there, yeah, that they're probably taking the lion's share of the paid gigs, it, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of it is just uh rooms run by other comics where it's just unpaid open mics, and, and the audience is basically other open mic comics and bar flies. <laughs> like, because I've done Melbourne gigs, and that's the experience. And those gigs can be really fun, but you're not going to make any money out of them. Um, but, yeah, the reason Perth is also a bit, eh, is because I guess it's always been like this, but people come up through the ranks, they get good, then they leave, okay? And most of them move, move to Melbourne or Sydney, and they disappear. You never hear from them again. There was a similar exodus like that in the music scene yeah. in, in Perth too, unfortunately. yeah. So people get good and, and leave, and it leaves a bit of a hole. Um, but I think in terms of quality, the, the quality is pretty good. Uh, I guess the explanation I find for that, that leaving is that it's pretty quick to, to run yourself a little bit thin in Perth. Yeah. Um, and it is, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, It is. I guess it's hard to... If you were in Perth and you were performing once a week, just imagine you're performing twice a week in Perth. Mm. You'd have to turn over. You'd either have to be a spontaneous, spontaneous, spontaneous. I can't even say <laughs> spontaneous. Thank you. I was <laughs> going to say yeah, that's the word. Spontaneous comedian. I'm trying to think of spontaneous or something like that. Yeah. Um, comedian that would that would obviously just feed off other people and then Josh McKendrick, you know, like mm. would sort of roll with the punches of what's coming back at him from the stage. You could get away with it a little bit, but there's only, what, five, six, seven clubs at, at best, isn't there? That, Something like that, yeah. Well, I mean, you probably... Did you hear the Laugh Resort is on a indefinite hiatus? Yeah, I, was, yeah. I went to the meeting. I tried to... Yeah. I, I was actually for... To maybe taking it on the road for a period. Mm, okay. And I was going to support it with the PA and the lights and the, and putting on the production of it all. Yeah. Uh, which I thought... I thought, well, there's... I'll throw my weight there and see if they were interested in doing that. Um... And then also wanted to perhaps bring them the few of the comedy club, and then bring it up here and using the name to do a bit of film sketch work and stuff like yeah. you for a while too. But it never really gained traction, and it's hard when you rock up and you haven't been anywhere for years, and you suddenly you rock into a room going, "Hey, dudes, I can do this for you. Who the fuck are you?" Mm, <laughs> Which I walked sure. out of there going, "Oh, of course, you know, idiot." So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, but I, no, I did know about that. But um, where was the last place you had a really good gig at in Perth? Comedy club wise. Oh, so so not festival. No, no, because you've just done the fringe and yeah, then there was and, and the Perth and the comedy, comedy festival. festival. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, just quickly. Uh, yeah, the, the Perth comedy festival. I, I did uh, at, at first. I, I I didn't like it, but they they basically offered me downstairs at the Madge at His Majesty's Theatre, and I think the capacity is one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty two. And I was like, dude, that that room's too fucking big. Do you have anything else? Do you have something smaller? Like, no, nah, no, nah, sorry, that's all we have, man. So I was like, okay, whatever. And it's a fucking, you know, beautiful venue. So in the in the end, it all worked out. Like, I didn't sell out or anything, but, like, I did three shows. The Surprisingly, the, the last show was a Sunday, and I thought that was going to be the worst one because Sunday always fucking sucks in Perth. But I think what helped me was Monday was a public holiday. It was Anzac Day. Uh, maybe there was good word of, word of mouth from the first two shows, and Sunday ended up being my best and biggest show. Awesome. So a packed house. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Unreal. Yeah. yeah unreal. Well, I didn't sell out, but, you know, it was... It was fucking decent you know like it felt full basically uh so yeah downstairs at the madge was fucking sweet uh yeah in terms of um yeah cool places well i mean last week was interesting i it's, it can be a bit hit and miss and the acoustics aren't great but every wednesday night they have comedy upstairs at the national hotel in frio yeah right yeah i the wasn't sure if there's anything doing in frio still i know that yeah. it's been national's been going for a while man maybe a year maybe two yep. And, and look, some people complain about it because, yeah, the acoustics aren't great. It's wooden floors, high ceilings. It's echoey as fuck, okay? Uh, and I know they're trying to improve that somehow. But the audience is normally young and hip and up for it. I mean, it was, it was small when I did it last week. It was like 15 people. 
<clears throat> and there were like these dude bros in the front who kept talking, the kind of assholes who wear a, a cap indoors, that kind of shit. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, know, I quite enjoy that gig, man, because I, like I was talking about at the start of this podcast, like I'm in that weird trans- transitional period where I'm post Rad Dad Redemption. I'm like, fuck, what's my act now, you know? And so I did mainly old stuff, but I chucked in some new stuff, and it was just really fun. Like, it gave me the passion. It's like, oh, you know, going from doing my festival show to doing the clubs again. Like, that was, like, the first one after doing all these festival shows. It's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is nice. I like this. So, yeah, uh, I enjoyed that one. Do you find when you have a larger crowd, do you find it either more intimidating or do you find it easier with a larger crowd? Yeah. Um, um, yes, well, I've had a couple where I've found the bigger crowds because I find laughter's contagious a little bit. Mm. So, you know, I found that if you get a few chuckling, people chuckle at the people chuckling, then all of a sudden it ripples through the room a bit, and then you've got them, and then you can you can go then. And yeah, yeah. no, that's a good question. Uh, I think yeah, a larger crowd can be more intimidating because it's more people to disappoint. Like it's more pressure. It's like fuck. There's more because I think. <clears throat> I quite enjoy the, the small crowds because I, with a small crowd, and I think it's a good test of your professionalism. If you walk out and there's a crowd of ten people, those are still people, ten people who've paid to, to see comedy. You still got to give them a show. You know, you don't do what an what an inexperienced comic does, which is oh, there's only ten people. I'm not going to try. Ten percent. Yeah, like <laughs> I've, I've seen people do that. They'll just yeah. sit down on the stage and I just phone it in, and it makes me fucking furious yeah. because not only is it just being professional and, and giving, treating that ten people like it's a hundred people, but also one of those ten people could be a fucking producer or an agent. Like you just never know. You know what I mean? So, I think so. Small crowds are a good test of your professionalism, but yeah, big crowds can be scarier. But I think also, I think like you're getting at, with more people, more energy in the room. They can that, that big crowd can sort of lift you up a bit. Like, it kind of forces you to be good because you have no fucking choice. Like, I think comedy is fight or flight. It's like you either shit your pants and you run off backstage and, and disappear or you're like, fuck it, and you go out there and, and, and just, you know, use that adrenaline to, to give them a show. You know what I mean? Exactly. Feed off the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like if everyone has a... I don't know, it's like if everyone was a battery, I suppose you're running on, you know... 120 batteries as opposed to the standard four that yeah. you want. Yeah, so fact, you're, you're probably, really cooking, you know. That's probably a good way of putting it. So, yeah, say, you know, small crowds versus large crowds, like the large crowds, you can feed off their energy. The small crowd, it falls on you to generate that energy. Yeah. Because I think one of the things, right, when crowds are small, that the people in that small crowd are very self-conscious. I think I've made the mistake once or twice of coming out to a small crowd and still being over the top and mm. just, where it's kind of, they're pulling back to the back of the room a bit, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I guess you can do that a little bit, so, and that'll come with experience, I suppose, is to make them feel comfortable. Because I guess people will be more self-conscious in the small room too. Exactly. I mean, if you pulled out the, you know, the parody, and you had <laughs> that one person laughing, and you got the other nine people looking at them, <laughs> you know, they haven't got that ally that's four rows up, you know, sort of losing their shit, you know, like they're, they're sort of pulling the the focus around the room a little bit. So yeah. I've been in a small room where people are afraid to laugh because they're, they're, oh. You know, like, oh, exactly. I'm gonna probably have a beer with everybody here when we go to the bar at the break, and yeah. I don't want them to think that I'm a weirdo because I laughed at their joke or whatever. So, yeah, it's um, I think I, I think there is a, for me. I've found a safety net in big, a big audience as well because you don't find that person necessarily too that's sitting there going, mm. "You're not really into what you're doing, dude." You know, like, yeah. you don't see that person, but if that's nine people, that one person sticks out, and it can be mm. off-putting. You know, so. Jeff, would you say that having exposure like with film-wise, would, do you think it would help with your comedy? Do you think, like, if you... I mean, we're talking about Rad Dad now, and I guess mm. if you missed the show, you kind of missed it. Would you pull that show out again at some point? Or you just, that's it, you're moving on? <clears throat> um, yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I don't really know, because I was toying with the idea of... Because I haven't been to Melbourne in a while, I haven't been over east in a while. So I was toying with the idea of taking Rad Dad Redemption over to Melbourne, say, for the Melbourne Fringe Festival, which is September or October. The Sydney Fringe Festival's on around the same time. So I haven't ruled that in or out yet, but I found after doing 14 shows of Rad Dad for both Fringe and the Perth Comedy Festival, um, maybe getting over it wasn't, isn't the right word, but 
I think, yeah, the thing is, I thought, fuck, come September or October, I might not have that show in me anymore. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, you know what If I you mean? lose the love for it, I guess it doesn't... Yeah. It doesn't ooze out of you then, I suppose. Well, well, well the thing is, like, obviously, Rad Dad's about a very specific part of my life. And, look, I love the show. I'm, I'm proud of the show. But, say, in six months' time, it might not... I might not have that story in me to tell anymore. Like, I might have moved on to the next thing. Yep. So, yeah, I, I don't know. In terms of getting out there, yeah, I mean, I've... Uh, my friend Levon, who also directed Rad Dad, Levon Polinelli, he's a filmmaker. Uh, we filmed, I think, maybe two or three nights out of the 14 shows we did. So, yeah, I haven't decided what I'm going to do with those beyond personal reference and use. I mean, maybe I can put something on YouTube. Uh, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, exposure's definitely good. And, I mean, I do have a YouTube channel, Jeff Hewitt Comedy, but I update it so fucking rarely. You know, I'm not a YouTube star like Alex Williamson. <laughs> You know, because I think you've got to have a certain thing and then you just run with it. You know I think I mean? you need that drive because it is taxing. I mean, it I'm, is, yeah. Even just to do a podcast, it's people probably don't realise it's, it's a lot of work, man. It is like we're sitting here for a chat, but that's not it. It's not that doesn't stop there. We go, we edit, mm. we pull out any content we think may not work for the show. Yeah. So that takes time. Then I mean, I like, love it. Like, do you edit in GarageBand? Uh, I, I do all, all Pro Tools or Logic. Okay, yeah. Whatever I feel like doing that day. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah, so um, I've got templates in each of those programs. Yeah. So I just pull up the templates and each of them have the, my songs stacked in there. And mm. I remember you saying, actually, uh, and there's something I'd like to do for you later on down the track is um, I'd like to compose you a new. Uh, oh, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, why don't you get your guitar out, mate? We can get it. <laughs> why don't you cut your own songs? Why yeah. can't we, we should arrange that. Get in here yeah, and. That's uh, exciting, yeah. Yeah, record your. Uh, get some riff down and I can mate I'll turn any riff you've got into something so, alright yeah we should make a day to that and then uh, so yeah. there you go for anyone listening to Once Were Zombies uh, <laughs> the uh, but yep. I guess it'd, I guess it would be sad to, I, I don't know you, would it be sad to lose the iconic one that you've had since the beginning of the show or? Uh, well I've had that since uh, fuck end of 2012 so I'm kind of I'm ready to, to change it up a bit I promised myself after 12 months it's going to be a new new yeah. track for the beginning of the yeah yeah and in fact, I'm thinking of, I mean, we're getting a little off track. I'm thinking of revamping my podcast as well. Like, just, just to have more of a focus, you yep. know what I mean? Because yeah. at the moment, the podcast, Once With Zombies, is just me talking, having conversations with creative people. Like, there's not, that's the angle, you know what I mean? Whereas I find, like, I think to differentiate yourself, whether you've got a YouTube channel or a podcast, you've got to have a very specific angle so people can hook into that. So there's a Perth guy, Karen, Cameron McLaren, a comedian, very nice guy. He started up a podcast called Movies Are Dumb. So he gets a comedian in and they talk about a specific movie. Great. You know, it's simple. You know what it is. It's a specific yeah. angle. You can familiarise with the movie, so yeah. it's easy to familiarise with. Yep. Whereas with mine, it's like, it's called Once We're Zombies, but there's no zombies in it. It's not about zombies. It's conversations with, you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard to just summarise what it is in one sentence. That's uh, just pure, purely marketing, really, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's the thing, man. There's so much content out there. Wow, you've made me think about mine now. <laughs> yeah. So for all my uh, four listeners out there, um, <laughs> yeah, just what do you think? Do you think we uh, change up and we can... Well, I'll be number five tonight, man. We can talk about, like, I've always wanted to have a podcast about wooden toys. Yeah. Yeah, because I've never understood how they're ever popular. <laughs> I mean, you joke, but seriously, that's sort of how specific you have to be, just, just, just to stand out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd have all those wooden toy fanatics list, tuning right in. Give us your top top three or four podcasts that you, that you love to listen to. Uh, it varies, man, depending on my mood. Um, and look, this is probably a hacky answer. Can I, can I guess one? Yeah, sure. WTF, Mark Maron? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's hacky because that, that's huge, it's so popular. Once where Zombies was kind of a direct rip-off of WTF. Not saying nothing about the fighter <laughs> and the kid. <laughs> the father and the kid? No, the fighter and the kid. It's a... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Brendan Schaub was a UFC fighter. Oh, yeah. And Brian Callan's a comedian. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, they're, they're idiots. Yeah. It's, it's very funny. Yeah. Oh, is that a podcast? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, I haven't heard that one. Like, I, I know Brian Callan had his own podcast, which I listened to a while ago. But yeah, WTF, just because Mark Maron's so fucking good and his guests are phenomenal. Like, the, the recent one was... Keith Luke. Richards. Yeah, Keith yeah. Keith Richards. Well, <laughs> episode 700, part two with Louis C.K. was, was amazing. Uh, so yeah, definitely that one. Um, 
Oh, I've sort of branched out. Like I used, I used to listen to uh, Bill Burr's Monday Morning podcast religiously. Same. I got a bit bored with it though. Yeah, because when he talks about sports, I don't give a shit about all the sports teams he's into. The fucking Bruins and the Patriots. I'm like, fuck off, man. <laughs> but he's fucking hilarious. Like I love his voice now, and his point of view. Fucking Peyton Manning. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> like I don't care about. He's Peyton actually. Manning. He's one of my favorite comedians. Oh yeah, he's he's amazing. The things that that specially did the things. We do, or something. I think it was the last one he done that was in black and white. Oh yeah. And then there was one before that. I, I, I didn't. Have, you know, I rediscovered him. Mm. I seen him on an Australian comedy special over in Melbourne Comedy Gala. Oh yeah. And I thought he was hilarious then. I never knew who he was. Mm. And all of a sudden, he popped up on a on a Joe Rogan podcast. Mm. Then I went and studied him a little bit. I went, "That's the guy. I love it. that's the." And then hooked ever ever since uh, it's not yeah. finding an old girlfriend so yeah. very chuffed about it yeah um, and a couple of others like I said it changes all the time depending on my mood uh, if you just like talking shit podcasts where it's just comedians uh, giving each other shit busting balls and there's two New York ones which you might like one's called uh, You Know What Dude with Robert Kelly and that's just New York comedians roasting each other. And Legion of Skanks is pretty pretty much the same. I've heard of that one. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I've, yeah. seen, I've seen it and I've been going, do I? Don't I yeah. yeah, so Legion of Skanks is three New York comics. Uh, Big J. Okerson, Louis J. Gomez and Dave Smith. And they just talk shit. Although, uh, yeah, if you're in the mood for that, fucking perfect. But sometimes, yeah, honestly, man, it just, just varies from... I wish podcasts were around earlier. Like they're the mm. best things to drive to, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Drive and listen to a podcast. There you go. There's a plug for our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeff, before we wrap it up, there's just one thing I always cover on this show before we the last thing before I let you get away and get back to the family and your, mm. your little fella. Um, we we often bring up conspiracy theories because everyone that says I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I love hearing about what people have got in their lives it's sort of a weird thing that they fully believe in mm. have you got anything like I've heard of guys talking about chemtrails we've had ghosts last week yeah they he believed in ghosts um, we've had people believe in um, uh, what was it uh, Min Min Lights was another one we had on which was quite cool so the, the what lights Min Min Lights they're like uh, you know the, the, the balls of energy that you know like the the, the Okay. They're like a spherical lightning. Right. Lightning balls, not strikes, sort of, so to speak. Okay. So someone said they've seen them and, you know, they're, they're trying to, they exist. So, yeah, we get all this. So I guess it's not conspiracy. That's just, there's only weird, yeah. weird things out there you think exist, Jeff, that, that not many people agree with you upon. Yeah, well, again, it's a very good question because, look, obviously, I think I mentioned earlier, my day job's lawyer right and the reason I, I bring that up now is because as a lawyer you've got to be very rational and and, uh, and and reasonable so it can be kind of risky as a lawyer to talk about conspiracy theories or mystical shit so so that said like I'm not avoiding your question no but that, I never thought of it from that point of view as yeah. well yeah 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 very interesting yeah. so um, that said and look I've always wear, kind of worn two hats there's kind of the the straight-laced lawyer Jeff, and then there's the wild comedian Jeff who gets up and talks about. Well, that's the way around that Jeff. Mm. Sorry to interject, just very quickly. I mm. suppose you could say it's just something that interests you that you think is quite an interesting topic. Oh, as opposed to yeah, yeah, putting your heart on your sleeve and on your <laughs> professional sleeve and telling us about the little, little green man with the antennas that you're always talking to me about. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, comedian Jeff, that's sort of the wild man Jeff, where I cut loose and, and anything goes. And so even though I have that rationalist <clears throat> lawyer side, I, the line I always go back to, it's a line from Hamlet, I think, where Ham, Hamlet says, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than I dreamt of in your philosophy. And I always go back to that, because that's kind of, a way of saying, kind of a way of saying that there's so much in the world and the universe that we don't know about. Like, we think we know, we think we have all the answers, we think science explains everything, but it doesn't. There's still so much that's a fucking mystery. Like, for all our advances in science, we still can't figure out human consciousness, how that works, you know? And so so I guess, in a way, I'm trying to uh, add a sense of reason and logic to, to the fact that there is a lot that's unknown, and I embrace that. That's exciting and interesting to me. So to give you a specific example, I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, ghosts, mm -hmm. okay? Um, so would you say you're 
tapping into like the sixth sense, is that what you're saying? And that there's that a, a level of consciousness that we're not utilizing, or am I missing the point a little bit there? Oh no, I, I just I just mentioned uh, human consciousness as an example of where science doesn't have all the answers. Yep. Like science can sort of explain brain chemistry, but it can't really explain how sort of how consciousness works. Like uh, not explain it very well, but. Um, yeah, like, I mean, going back to comedy and laughter, I mean, laughter is such a, a complex area of uh, neuroscience, like all the things that that goes into creating a thought that makes someone laugh. So you create a thought and someone has a physical reaction to it. It's very, very complex and, and interesting. I wonder if it's a releasing of endorphins or serotonin. Mm. I haven't never, never thought of that as to whether yeah. which one of those two chemicals, which are both a euphoric type chemical that's released into our, our brain to... Produce, yeah. certain, um, uh, produce certain uh, moods and, and uh, yeah so I wonder there's one to Google please let us know is it serotonin or am I completely wrong serotonin or uh, yeah or if it is an endorphin type release mm. that, that then makes you laugh and then yeah what is it yeah <laughs> but look I've never seen a ghost actually maybe I have when I was a kid look I'll get back to that but the reason I bring up ghosts okay like You've probably heard about Fremantle Arts Centre, how it's meant to be one of the most haunted places in the Southern Hemisphere. And I had, I had an experience, I think in 2004, there was a writer's workshop I used to go to. And, uh, yeah, one of the sessions was at, was upstairs at the Fremantle Arts Centre. And you've probably been to Fremantle Arts Centre. It's this beautiful old stone building, it used to be an insane asylum, meant to be horribly, horribly haunted. In fact, friends, I, I have friends who used to work there who've told me all sorts of stories that would freak you the fuck out. So I'm kind of, based on my own experience and the stories that my friends have told me, I'm kind of convinced that it is haunted. So this experience, right, I was running a bit late, so I had to go up the stairs to go to this room where it was a writer's room. And I remember going up the stairs, I suddenly felt this coldness. It was really fucking cold, like this abrupt change in temperature. And I felt all this pressure, like, like this pressure on me, on my body, like it was hard to breathe. So it was kind of like I was, you know, having to squeeze through something something cold and intense and it was just a strange feeling it, it wasn't normal whatever it was so going up the this stone staircase just two flights of stairs then i'm on the first floor i go into my room i sit down i'm, I'm fine but that was just such a fucking weird sensation um and then i remember a few years before that lying in bed i'm falling asleep and then i felt something like I heard a voice laugh and then affectionately tap me there. Wow. And I opened my eyes and I'm like, what the fuck was that? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I've never forgotten that. Uh, and then, yeah, when I saw, may have seen a ghost when I was a kid, maybe five or six, I woke up and um, I looked at my bedroom floor and it was like, I guess I would describe it as like a fairy or a ballerina, maybe maybe that, that high, so maybe, what's that, three foot or two foot off the ground? Yeah, about 80, say 80 centimetres for, yeah. for the metric lovers out there. Kind of wearing like a pink tutu, just kind of doing a pirouette, just spinning around, like really beautiful, just, um, yeah. And look, I was a kid, so obviously I wasn't on drugs, I was five <laughs> or six. But I saw that, like I've never forgotten that. Like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. You know? And it's still here today, and I suppose, do you, when you were telling me that story and you were, mm. you were sort of pointing to, mm. to the to the floor show me the height mm. visually you see it mm. right then don't you like, yeah. you're still you you i still have that image that, that image is right there yeah isn't it amazing how we have and and with the stairs thing do you think it could be a subconscious anxiety would you would you would that be too rational to think like that yes i'd say that's too ra that's not it because yeah you could try and take yeah the scientific rational angle which is maybe i was feeling anxious at the time and I and so that was affecting my or cognition. But no, no, I was I was fine. I was in a good mood. It was just it was this sudden abrupt change in the atmosphere, the air, the environment. Like it wasn't there before I got on the stairs. It wasn't there when I got off the stairs. It was just on the fucking stairs. Did you get that sense of dread? That yeah, yeah. It was really uncomfortable, man. Like like I said, it was hard to breathe, and it wasn't me being unfit walking up the stairs. It wasn't that. It was just like this pressure on me, like. And I was, yeah, I remember. I was like, "What the fuck is that?" You know, <laughs> like, holy and, shit! And you're too young to have the weight of the world on you. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't any of that, man. Yeah. And 
And look, I've been, and this was during the day, you know, I've walked around the Fremantle Arts Centre grounds during the day, it's fine. Like, like outdoors, you know, there's beautiful courtyards and gardens, it's great. But yeah, I just remember going inside into one of the, the buildings and going up the stairs, just there was something there. And yeah, like I said, one of my friends used to work there and I think she said, um, she used to work in the, the cafe and the, the, like, there's like uh, the counter and there's cakes on display in the counter. And she remember she saw a little girl looking at the cake, so she went to serve the girl, then the girl wasn't there. And it freaked her the fuck out. Uh, and then she asked one of the other workers, or the, the cleaner or the janitor, it's like, oh, I saw this little girl. He's like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. She, she's a ghost who wanders around the place. And, and shit like, you know, she'd pack up at night and then go back the next morning and something's been moved. And she'd be like, again, she'd ask the cleaner, like, did you move this? It's like, oh, no, no, that's so-and-so, you know? So, uh, so it'll, yeah, look, the choice answer is I don't know, but I like to think my mind's open enough to allow for the possibility that there's stuff out there that we can't explain. Wouldn't it be, it would be a wonderful world if it is there. Yeah, it's exciting. It's, I mean, we seem to have have so much covered on the planet these days. It's, it's, and, and I was only saying the other day how I think we're starting to lose wonder. Mm. Because we've got answers for so many things nowadays, we're starting to lose that, and how wonderful that's that that sense of wonder is, you know. So, well, a surefire way to get your wonder back is to to try DMT. <laughs> yeah, I've only done it once, but that changed my life. Was so. it dimethyltryptamine yeah dimethyltryptamine yeah we've got a lot of it in WA you know it's in the acacia trees and it's fucking everywhere you've got to know how to extract it I mean I wouldn't have a clue but we used uh, to go over to uh, Seals Rocks when I was a young fella and there used to be um, the gold tops growing up on the hill there oh the magic mushies always always stop and and grab a few of those and yeah um, yeah except for one day a bit bad three days later oh no (laughs) naked (laughs) <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I've been walking around a campsite naked for three days. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, just saying hi, loving everybody. Yeah, yeah. Had a few people quite amused at myself <laughs> and two of my mates that were yeah. sitting on the beach. Just we didn't eat for three days, so I guess that's the danger with stuff yeah. like that too. But I know it's got a certain element of that in it. But yeah, <coughs> <coughs> oh, I'm choking. Jeff, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you, mate. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honoured to have you on the show. It's great to actually see a little bit behind the man that I see on stage. And um, yeah, mate, I'd love more nothing for to get you back on the show and one day and have a chat and maybe send some more comedians my way to uh, have a yarn about just stuff. Oh no, I'd love to, man. And thanks so much for having me. I mean, it's an honour to be here too. And uh, you've kind of given me homework. I've got to get good at guitar again, and then I'll try and. Come and lay down your track. Yeah, I'll try and compose something. Then I'll come here and we'll yeah. We'll I'll lay it down. I'll lay it be down, uh, glad to uh, do that for you, mate. Um, <laughs> as a thank you very much for coming on the show. So, uh, well, it's over now from us. Um, it is. Uh, we're heading into uh, in towards August. We're uh, in towards August. We're heading in towards May. I've got August on my mind because I'm having a little one in August. Oh, and yeah, I've got it's August, huge, August all day. August, August, August. Uh, for the folks at home, yes. My beautiful wife is pregnant. I'm going to be having my first child at the age of 43. Mm. Awesome. Um, Congratulations, man. You're going to love it. I'm scared, but I'm not. I'm taking it in my stride, but I'm starting to feel the changes, and I'm stressing out about stuff I never did before about Mm. making money and making sure the house is right. Yeah. This is me now. Like, I I, I was happy living out of a Land Rover. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, life changes. But... uh, no, Jeff, um, I'll have to take your advice, mate. I might have to bring you up and get you on the speed dial for the dad. For the, oh, uh... yeah, no worries. <laughs> Jeff, what do I do? <laughs> Why is it shit purple? <laughs> no, it is scary, dude, but seriously, right. that you, you won't forget the, the, the birth. And look, it's just, it's it's wonderful. Were, just... you, were you there for the... Oh, of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's life-changing. It's... Catches mitt, like, ready? <laughs> good to go, I'm good to go. Well, the thing is, like, I saw, I saw my son come into the world. Tracy didn't, of course, because she's pushing the poor bastard out. You know? <laughs> she didn't see anything. I mean, she's in the heat of the moment, having the struggle of her life. But I saw it, and it's, it's powerful. It's, you know, and I burst into tears. It's a very powerful emotional experience. I know I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. I know I'm... Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it just it just fills fills your heart with joy and love and makes you want to be a better man. Like and this is some of the stuff I talked about in Rad Dad. It, it's fucking awesome. You know, I wouldn't change a thing. 
What a beautiful way to end a podcast. <laughs> All right, we're out. My name's Ty D. This has been Jeff Hewitt. Make sure you look at Jeff Hewitt Comedy. Just quickly, Jeff, before you go, where are we going to find your comedy, mate? And where are we going to catch you next? Uh, yeah, so you can check out my podcast on iTunes, uh, Once We're Zombies with Jeff Hewitt. Uh, uh, Twitter, Jeff Hewitt 666. Instagram's the same handle, <laughs> Jeff Hewitt 666. Uh, I'm working on my website, so uh, I've got the domain name, jeffhewitt.com.au, but I haven't put it together yet because I'm a slack bastard. Uh, and yeah, I've got the YouTube channel, Jeff Hewitt Comedy, which I update occasionally. So yeah, if you just Google Jeff Hewitt, you'll, you'll find me. There's not many Jeff Hewitts out there. So, from memory, that is J-E-F-F-H-E-W-I-T-T. Yep, absolutely. So, if you Google Jeff Hewitt and possibly some video footage out soon of some of the Red Dad show. Yeah, possibly, man. Possibly. Like, yeah, I no promises. Decided, yeah, no, no promises. <laughs> and uh, I think at the moment, this is fucking embarrassing. I've, I've got a gig booked in July. <laughs> in fucking July, but nothing else yet. Like, I did the gig last week. And I was like, oh, I better, you know, tell bookers that, you know, I'm keen for more gigs. I just haven't got around to it, man. Like... Yeah, but but I will. Like, you know, like I said, fucking Johnny McAllister, the comedy lounge, doesn't book me. <laughs> but everyone else in Perth does. So, yeah, I'll be probably appearing soon. At uh, Good news. Uh, I had a venue contact me in Meriwa, the Meriwa Tavern. Oh, nice. Fucking blood and guts Meriwa Tavern. Yeah. They're building a new room and putting in a performance stage there for bands and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they want me to organise some a comedy possibly not Perfect. so much a club but comedy nights I said don't start with a club let's just do a few comedy nights and yeah. see if the people warm up to it so I'll be in contact and uh, oh yeah I'd love to it's we'll just down the road for me yeah we'll, we'll, we'll put our heads together and get a few shows happening up that way so stay tuned for that one there Jeff Hewitt fantastic brother thank you very much for coming on the show we are out